Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the CCC Weekly Podcast. Hello. Hello. How's everybody doing to around these uh, three properly spaced tables? <laughs> That's right. That's going to be the new name of the podcast, Three Properly Spaced Tables. <laughs> yes. They are properly spaced. They are properly spaced. I was not denying the I guess spacing. it depends on who made proper. I, I didn't do them, but I'm going to say they are properly I feel spaced. Good. I feel good about the people that did them. Yeah. Me too. I, I don't know who I, they are. I feel, I, feel, I feel safe and comfortable. Yes, yes. I'm assuming Joel and maybe Nathan. Maybe. We were we were at work on this. Yeah, I didn't okay. know if we wanted to get that behind the scenes, but yes, me and me and All Joel right. were, were, were at work in the pro- there, process. There is not a whole huge podcast team. Oh, but as far no. as they know, there's a huge. We, yeah, we employ an entire uh, crew. So. All right, the podcast team. So here we are again. We got some topics to talk about, as always. Yeah. Whether they will be interesting remains to be seen. But uh, we got some stuff. And uh, hey, uh, update. Uh, we are at 956 subscribers. Wow. Getting closer, Getting closer all the time. We are inching towards a thousand. Because you know we've been talking about this for about four weeks <laughs> Seems now. Seems like too long. We keep wanting, we keep wanting it to happen. We're a thousand. begging now. Super chat's close. It's close. <laughs> Super I chat. feel it coming. Super chat. We're, we're, we're going to reach that plateau. So And links. Super chat yes. and links. Ooh. That's another feature I've learned. Super links. chat and links. Wow. What will we do with that? So, all right. The guy in high school is really tall. We call Link. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know why. I don't know why. I Thanks bring, for bringing that up. I don't, know why I bring that up. I don't either. <laughs> all right. So, on to the topics. First one uh, of today is a listener question. Yeah. So we have a Thank listener you for question. Thank you. Yeah. We, we, we did get one this week, and it's a good one, but it's got multiple parts. There's Ooh. lots of stuff in this question that we're going to. Uh, we're going to have to deal with. Are the parts dependent on each other? Should we hear the whole question or answer them one at a time? Um, Why don't I read the whole thing? All right. And then I'll break it back down for that, you. Ooh, I like that. For one of us, that's better. Break for me, down. that's better. <laughs> okay. I know that's better. Break it down. <laughs> Slow jam style. Yeah. It's going to be hard for you to focus. <laughs> it is. So I'll go back. I'm closing we'll, my eyes right now we'll so deal I can with try one to part pay attention. Time. All right. So here's what, I, what the listener watcher Thanks for sending in. Wants to know. They want to say they want us to give a breakdown of how to read the Bible for beginners. And then they define what a beginner is. They say, I've read some verses my whole life. I've heard the stories since childhood, and it really hasn't stuck with me. Uh, so they want to know, how, first of all, how, how to read the Bible for a beginner. And then they go on to say, I find it hard to follow meanings of the messages and take away stuff from my everyday life. And then they go on to tell us, I just got myself an amplified study Bible, which we'll come back to and talk about in a minute. And then their final statement is, I know I am not at the place for a discipleship group yet. So let's start with the first part, um, reading the Bible. If you're a beginner, you're just getting started, you have a hard time understanding the Bible. What do you guys think are some key uh, points to remember and how to go about doing that? Translation you can understand. Yep. Yes. That's Start very not with the Bible, but the New Testament. Start not with the whole New Testament, but the four books about Jesus. Yes. So pick any of those four books about Jesus. Get a really easy to understand translation. Mm-hmm. And in particular, if you're wanting a specific book to start with, I think John or Mark, if you're going straight into one of those. Depends on your personality. I think yeah. if you're a person who likes action, read Mark. Mark yes. is yes. action fast pace. Fast, fast, fast pace. You yeah. could you could legitimately read it in about an hour if you oh, just yeah. sat down and read it straight through. It would mm-hmm. not take you long. But yep. um, but John, 
in lots of ways, at least to me. I always love it when we do, and I know we're going to talk about this later, so I'm not going to get to it. When we're in our discipleship groups and we yes. get back to John, we're, yes. in my group, we're just now back to John. Uh, there, there's a very personal feel, which obviously all the, all the uh, gospel accounts are either written by someone who walked with Jesus or mm-hmm. they're written by someone who was with somebody who uh, was with Jesus. Um, uh, anyway, the, the book of John has this very personal feel to it that I mm-hmm. really like the way he writes. So I would say John or Mark okay. or... All right. And um, so, Ed, you mentioned uh, a good translation. I, I would I would speak more to that as well. For me, my current favorite translation that I'm reading is the New Living Translation. I think Very it good. is a good balance of really good translation uh, skills, but also... Uh, written in a modern day kind of flow where it's very easy to understand and and I also think they do a good job of taking some uh, more difficult words or concepts and they break them down into more easy to understand phrases that they don't use words that we don't use these days I guess is the best way I'm saying like you know sanctification propitiation which a lot of people don't use these days. I don't know anybody that uses I don't know them. anybody that's not, that uses that's those. not a preacher. Not yeah. not to say they're bad words. I, but know, I was at a cookout and someone said propitiation. Did they really? Yeah, we were yeah, we were talking about, you know, all the sacrifices we were going to make. Oh yeah, sure, we were going to sacrifice oh, those barbecues. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, so go look that word up. But uh they take words like that and then they break them down to what they actually mean in right. common language. I like that. I think it's helpful it's helpful for me, but it's definitely helpful for people, especially when you're first getting started. And that tends to be what most the three of us would most often teach out of. I, I used to mm-hmm. be a NIV guy mm-hmm. because it was the new translation when I was in college. Me too. But I ain't been in college for a day or two. <laughs> and so a few. It, and they were still hanging on to they they said it was seventh grade language. I mm-hmm. bet if you ran it through now, because the way our language is, it's a higher level than I agree. that. Sure. I agree. I think the New Living is current. It's what I try to use most often to Me teach too. now, uh, just for that reason. It uses more common language words, sure. and a good translation should be common language. And I yes. think people mistake that. They think, well, the Bible's supposed to be hard to understand. No. no, they were trying to write it to people mm-hmm. who they wanted to understand it. They didn't. Well, they weren't writing puzzles. The yeah. New Testament is written in something called Koine Greek, right. which right. was called Street Greek at That's the right. time, which is the level of Greek that was spoken by the common folk. That's right. right. So, anytime you're taking a translation and trying to make it for common people, you're doing what the original writers were doing anyway. That's right. exactly right. I think that's the most, I think most people think the Bible's supposed to be hard to understand. You know you get a good translation when most of it you do understand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At least you understand the words. Yes. yes. You should understand the words. Enough to ask questions and to yeah. get into it. That's right. Yeah, it doesn't leave you in the dust completely. So let's talk about that other statement. They said that they had started reading the Bible. Obviously, this person's trying to, to read, which is great. Yeah, um, great. But they've got what's called an amplified study Bible. And I just wanted to point that out because personally, and I'm not I'm not trying to offend your choice of Bible, but I don't think that's the best way to start. No. no I had also say that. I, yeah. Amplified by its nature, if you were to read, and I'm sure it tells you this in the beginning of it, it's taking every possible meaning of yes. of the Greek words and putting them all in the text, 
which doesn't make it more readable Mm-mm. and it doesn't make it more understandable. Right. You, yeah. In fact, you wind up coming away. I've had people bring things to me and says the Bible says this. Well, the Bible doesn't say all those words. No, they don't. Right. It doesn't say all those things. Well, right. and even the, the original authors, when they would pin these words, they weren't pinning them it with the thought of, I want them to get every possible definition that this word has in all of history out of this one word that I'm writing. They had a specific target and purpose with every word. That's why it's important to translate it in, with the intention of the author in mind. Mm-hmm. And so that that Bible particularly, as I said, it, that's not what it's going after. It's it's going for it's going for a really, I guess, wide breadth in sure. understanding words instead of what the author actually intended, yeah. uh, which I would imagine there, there, I'm sure there's a time and place for that somewhere. It's probably not for you because you said personally you're a beginner and you're trying to understand what the Bible is actually saying. I would not start there. So there's that. And then the final statement. Uh, well, and then, then let me say one more thing about it. The other thing about every study Bible you should realize, oh, yeah. and I don't know, a study Bible is a Bible with a commentary attached. Yes. Right. That's and right. so... Often people wind up reading the study part of it as being as authoritative Mm -hmm. because it's in their Bible as the words in the Bible. That study part off to the side, including the footnotes, I would tell you every Bible, Mm -hmm. and I don't mean the ones that say this wasn't originally included in the manuscript. I'm meaning the one that it says, now go look up this text and now go look up this text. That is somebody telling you what they think you ought to look up, yeah. not the person who wrote the actual scripture telling right. you what they think you ought to go look at. So you mean like John didn't put footnotes? He no. did not oh. put footnotes Dang. into the thing. Okay. So you have to just be aware. <laughs> I am then getting some person's view of what it is, not necessarily what it is. Yes. I think there are some good study Bibles out there. Uh, there's one that I've often encouraged people to read that, called the life application mm-hmm. and it it's got some good stuff in there but as it said as long as you understand it's not the bible it's what someone wanted you to know about the bible and you take it for what it is one of the best parts of that particular one is it asks questions instead it of makes it does make some statements mm-hmm. but it gives you lots of questions to think about with mm-hmm. the text not yep. necessarily what you should think yep and I had a buddy of mine recently just buy that Bible, and I, I hear from him it now comes with an app huh. that is constantly updated, and it's kind of a, a living kind of document. They, they constantly update it with the most common or m- the newest stuff, So, which I don't know. I haven't seen it, so I can't vouch for it, but mm-hmm. he certainly liked it. So anyway, then the last question or question, the statement that they made in their question was, Maybe this is the reason for the entire question is they made the statement that they didn't feel like they were at the place where they could be a part of a discipleship group yet. And I just thought that was an important thing for us to talk about. So um, that's not true. (laughs) You're ready. You are ready. And and maybe maybe, uh, what we could do to help this person understand and maybe for everybody watching, listening, um, is to help them understand what discipleship really is. When we talk about how we're going through it, it's not something – that you have to attain a level of no. maturity to get to. It's, you know, let's talk about what it is, I guess, first of all. Who wants to tack, tackle that first? Well, I think at a basic level, and we say this, in fact, when someone gets invited to discipleship, that it is just 
uh, what Jesus invited people into. It's continually learning from Jesus Mm -hmm. how to do every part of our life as if he was the one living it Mm -hmm. and then teaching other people to do the same, which was a key part of what he did. It wasn't just for him. It was for the -hmm. world and for everyone. And so I think in particular, uh, when it comes to reading the Bible and discipleship, I I think it is the way to read the the Bible, and and this oh, is what absolutely. this is what I mean by that is uh, the earliest followers of Jesus, being that most of them were not literate, at least the people at the time were not as literate. The Bible was read in community; it was mm-hmm. read to people, and people then, because they were a community, said, "This is how we're going to live this out." And in fact, if you read, and hopefully once you move on from Jesus and the the the, the biographies of Jesus, I mean, not move on from Jesus, <laughs> you move on from the biographies of Jesus to the letters that are written. That's what those letters are. It's commentary on what Jesus had said, and Jesus's life is like, "This is how you live it." They'd read it to one another. Often, it was directly to some of the people, but then other churches would get them, and they go, "Well, how do we apply this in our church?" and in our mm-hmm. setting. And so there obviously is a time and a place for personal Bible study. That I'm just reading it to connect with God, me and God. And I, I, you know, all of us do that. And that's an important part. But the other part of it is that I read something and then I immediately go to other people. And we, mm. we are now applying not every single day, every yeah. single chapter that I'm reading is something that I'm going, oh, I got to do that today. But there are certainly things that when we now talk about the things we've read and the breadth of things that we've read, mm-hmm. that someone goes, hey, you remember when it said to you know, uh, serve one another? I don't think you're doing that with your wife right now, or I don't think you're doing that with your kids right now, and you mm-hmm. can apply it. And so um, to, to that point, anybody can do that. Even somebody who doesn't even consider themselves a believer at this point, and even sure they believe all this, you can still read the text. Yeah. You can still engage with other people. And our belief, and really our prayer for you, is that through that process, if you're not a believer, that you are led to belief in Jesus and that mm-hmm. in that kind of community. But certainly if you are a believer, there is no uh, prerequisite course you have to no. take to, to be ready for it. And that, that point you made, I, I, I've, I've had this conversation with people because I think a lot of people uh, think of when, they, when they're reading the Bible and trying to understand it, they, they somehow think it is a lesser form of understanding the Bible when someone helps me understand it. Sure. And it's better if I can just read it. Like, for instance, people have come up to me and heard me or one of you guys preach, and they go, I never would have understood it that way had you not explained it to me, as if somehow it's bad. Right. That's, that's a bad thing that I have to have someone help me. And I often want to say to them, me too. Yeah, there, there. I'm. I'll, I'll just, I'll just say it this way. Sunday, Nathan, you taught, and I listened to you teach that passage, which I've read thousands of times. There were nuances that came out in your teaching yep. that I have never gotten before, quite the way that God spoke to me. And I shouldn't walk away from that and say, "Oh no, I'm so deficient in my understanding." Right. It's, oh, thank God that you've turned the the prism to now I see that color in a different Mm. way and so now I can go and apply it in a different way now I'll go and read that passage again at some point in discipleship and I'll read it by myself and I guarantee you God will say something in that moment Mm -hmm. sure and I will get something else or a different nuance out of it it's all valuable and it's all helpful so I shouldn't feel as if because I can't do it all on my own because like you said it was never intended to be that way yeah I always distrust any reading that I get that I feel is unique yeah Mm -hmm. so when I read something in the scripture and I read it and I go wow I don't think 
anyone I've ever read that anybody taught this before or thought this before mm-hmm. I go, you're probably wrong. <laughs> That's a problem yeah. right pro- there. I should probably say that out loud to some other Christians and see if they think that's right because if I think yes. God isn't going to take me down some distinct path, I think it's one of the problems we have of thinking God's going to lead me this way. In the same verse, he says, right to me, and he says, left to you. Mm-hmm. Right, that's, right. That's probably not Yes, that's not true. There may be different degrees of right of yes. I'm going to turn – You've got to do this particular thing in your life. But it does, they don't mean, the, the, the Bible's, again, I just will say, it's not a puzzle. Mm-hmm. Most Correct. of the things in the Bible, are, particularly in the New Testament, they're pretty clear. Yeah. There aren't, there aren't a lot, I mean, I agree, there were nuances. I got out of Sunday, I thought the message was tremendous. But there wasn't anything there that I go, wow, that's a whole new way yeah, of right. seeing something. No, and I know right. that's not what you were that's saying. That's not what I meant. No. That's not what you were saying at all. But I think a lot of people think I have to read the Bible, I have to get something that's particular to me, yeah, or sure. I didn't read it right. Hmm. It know? was more for me about the application that's right. Right. of how right. I now go out and live this, right. which I, I, we'll talk about in just a minute. Sure. But um, back to the discipleship thing, it, that is what we're doing together yes. in these groups. And, and, and again, back to your original thing, there, there are people we've invited – in this church into a discipleship group and they're not even Christians yet. Right. Because we have people who don't even attend our church yes, necessarily that that's have right. that have been a part of a discipleship. Because all it is is like you said, we're learning from Jesus how to do every part of our lives by immersing ourselves in community with others and learning about who he was and what he taught and practicing every, some of the practicing what he said to talk. We, we do what he said to do. And that's that everyone, when Jesus came up on, a, on the scene, he didn't walk around and say, now, are you ready for the kingdom of God? Right. He said to every person, the kingdom of God is here, yep. and you're invited. Yep. Right. Come on and follow me. That's all we're doing right. in discipleship. In fact, I think you would probably get a lot more out of it if you would step into discipleship. People would be, and you'd be, one of the things that would happen is the, the, the ground would get leveled really quick. Mm. Of year. There are probably some people you think are way ahead of you, and <laughs> yes. when you all started reading the Bible together, you would get, oh, I did understand that the mm-hmm. same way they did, whereas right now you think you're missing something. You're probably not missing as much as you think you're missing, Yeah, and you, you would do better off if you would do it in community. Almost so like, I encourage yeah. you, hey, reach yeah. out, yes. to, reach yes. out to us, reach out, help at community-christian.net. Mm-hmm. We are any of our personal emails. We will help you get in a group. Yes. We would love to do that. You are perfectly ready. You reminded me of something, Ed. Almost every discipleship group I've ever been in, once I got in it with the guys and we started reading and they got to know me, they all kind of went, oh, I am closer to – to you than I thought I was. I thought you were way ahead of me, mm-hmm. and it, and it and you're right. It it is a big leveling kind of thing. Yes. When we do it together. So. 100%. So, uh, great encouragement to that person. I hope you'll do that. Yes. All right. Moving on. Let's talk about Sunday, which we already sort of started yeah. a little bit, but I I want to get into uh, mainly um, for those of you that saw the message uh, with us on Sunday, Nathan, you ended with this practice that you encouraged us to do of mindfulness mm-hmm. um which is the the uh, the way we not we go about not worrying right <laughs> is to remain in the moment be mindful of things and I, i'll just say um this is just personal for me um so i'm out um doing my daily reading uh, a couple of days ago and um i'm sitting out on my deck 
and first, I don't know why I decided to do it. Normally, I do it in a, in a particular chair every day, but this day it was really nice outside, and I decided to go outside. And so uh, I go out onto my deck, and uh, and it just hit me right in the middle of. Um, let me see if I can find it. Right in the middle of where I was doing my daily reading, and um, I just stopped for a second, and I had to record this. Um, this is what I heard going on around me. Let's see if I can get into the microphone. Hopefully you can hear that. And it was going on all around me. I had no idea Mm -hmm. while I was out there. And it reminded me of that story that you told of, you know, the guy who's taking the run. And all of a sudden, it's like this world is going on around me, and I became mindful of it. So it was a really cool experience for me. Um, So let's talk about how you live this way. So I'll also add to that before he gets gets a chance to comment on that. I had the exact same experience Mm -hmm. on Monday. I mentioned last week that I'm doing this new prayer thing where I raise my hands, and I. Mm. So I'm I'm now after talking about that, I'm doing that in my neighborhood every day now, and I'm praying for the. You know, I mentioned on the Friday video about praying for Bob, a burden for people, and openness and boldness, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And really, my mind is filled with all these thoughts. But as I'm walking, I was thinking after I'd finished all that stuff I had, I wanted to do with God. Yeah. I it just hit me again. Oh, yeah, I'm supposed to be noticing. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I, it just, it really, what had become a thing of me doing stuff, I just had that thought of I should be noticing, and I heard that mm-hmm. almost exact same thing going mm-hmm. on, and it got louder and louder. And it really was a super cool moment yes. of, oh, all the stuff that I've been trying to get God to do. God's already at work, and the birds are already up, and they're already doing all their <laughs> they're stuff. They're doing just fine. They probably didn't have to do all the prayer and all that stuff that I was doing to think I had to get God to do something. It was just right. all going on. Yes. Very cool stuff. So, yeah. anyway. Yeah, I think the, I mean, I think with the mindfulness stuff, we had all read a book, um, the same book, the yeah. Greg Boyd uh, Our staff. book. Our staff had read it together uh, that I took the quote out of, um, which is called Present Perfect is the mm-hmm. name of that book. And uh, I had heard, um, I, I've probably been listening to Greg for, I know you guys have too, we mm-hmm. love his, his, his books. He does lots of kind of scholarly books, but then also this book's a little... Uh, I would just say accessible. It's a it's a well, easy practical. read. Yeah, practical kind of thing and stuff. It's this thick. Yeah, it's, it's not, not much. much. It's, it's Whereas thick. often he has two volume works that are that yeah. thick, yeah. you know, yeah. so each. And uh, but anyway, uh, I had heard him preaching about this for a while, and so I I had really been re- it become aware to me that I I wasn't doing this. That I, I thought of myself as someone who 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 lived at the moment, and I didn't necessarily deal with anxiety or worry. Um, but it became clear to me after a while, mine were just different than other people's. I think, you know, lots of people worry about, um, future events or, you know, things that might happen that are out of their control. And often for me, it's, um, what other people think. And I didn't see it that way. And so one thing that I had kind of learned in counseling and it was kind of all dovetailing at the same time was just this idea of really being aware of what my thoughts are and what, and what's going on in my brain. And so I had kind of heard these sermons, and then luckily just recently we read this book, and I'd read this, uh, started reading this other book that I'm in the middle of right now called Holy Noticing, which is on the same mm-hmm. kind of thing, which is where I got that phrase, holy noticing from, and they talk a lot in these things of this idea that we are fractured beings most of the time, that we live, we, we actually only are existing in the present moment, but some of us, uh, maybe the more anxious types, are really living in the future a lot. 
other people um, who who might deal with lots of shame and guilt. They're 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 living in their past moments and they can't move past. Other people I know, um, my wife is very much this way. It, it's not even a guilt about the past. It's almost a over romanticization or however you want to say, it, romanticizing the past of saying, yeah. "Oh, that was so great." You know, you know. Remember when? This was going on. Oh, I wish we could go back to that. And any moment that you're not in this present moment right now, mm-hmm. um, where you're fully submerged by the love of God, then you're just prone to to not be the whole version of yourself. And so, for me, often the way that worked out was uh, I would either be thinking back on something that I had said or done, and well, oh man, I bet that person's now thinking this or doing that. And or thinking forward to some event I had going on and, and trying to prepare for it and doing things and just not living just in the moment and being aware of I- anything going on. And so I think what mindfulness, as I'm trying to practice it, by no means I'm, I'm, I'm good about it, is these moments. I have alarms on my um, Fitbit here that go off to remind me to pray, but they also in that moment just remind me, center yourself back to this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like then in that the book you mentioned that Greg Boyd wrote. He he in the margins of his book wrote the question mm. over and over again: "Are you awake?" Right, and it was supposed to wake you up to the fact that God's with you in this moment. Don't go too far ahead. Stay right where you are, which was helpful to me. Yeah. So I mean, I think that's I think that's the 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 basic premise of it is is that most of us are not living as as much in the moment and as present as we could be. And what happens because of that is we're not ex- we're not existing in the kingdom of God. And I think, you know, we, we've talked about this a lot lately, but I think when that became clear to me that that was Jesus' primary message uh, was that the kingdom of God, the power and presence of God, it's available now, that it is a reality, that it is not me um, wishing for something that's coming at some point. It is a tangible reality that is existing in my midst and I'm just, I'm not seeing it. And understanding these things that we look at Jesus saying, like I'm teaching this tomorrow to some students, where Jesus says um, he, he, he heals a person, and then uh, he's, he's kind of questioning what authority he has. I, I believe it's in John 5. And they say, well, you know, what do you do this? And he says, I only do what I see the Father doing. Yep. And I don't know. I mean, I've heard many preachers preach on this and many, you know, and the way I read, we often read that as this kind of mystical, like mm-hmm. Jesus just saying anything. I think Jesus is talking about a practical reality. Mm-hmm. I look around the world and I see God at work and God's with that, uh, you know, that person who can't walk, which is who Jesus, that's where he tells the person, get up and walk. Yep. And he sees him and, and he just goes, oh, God's right. Okay. You know, and I, I know obviously we've talked about the Trinity and all that mm-hmm. and him, him being God, but you know, he's, he's also fully man at that moment. He looks over and he sees God, the father at work and he goes, well, then I'll go do that too. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of his questions, and I remember doing a study years ago, Henry Blackaby, and that was mm-hmm. his whole yeah. thing was to, to not try to get God to join you, but to go do what God was already doing. A lot of the questions Jesus would ask people were, and it's really stuff we can do. We tend to look at that and think Jesus had some kind of mystical connection. He could just know God's at work over there. But Jesus would walk up to people who obviously were sick and go, hey, do you want to get well? Mm-hmm. And we think, what a stupid question. Every, <laughs> But sometimes it's better not to be well if you're making your money off of sure. begging. And and mm-hmm. Jesus is going to say, I'm just testing the ground. See if God's at work here. Is your, <laughs> is your heart soft? Are you open? Right. If you're so, I'm willing to join in this with you. But if not, I'm okay for you to stay where you are. <laughs> I think a lot of those kind of things are, we don't take it to look at that as I should be looking for where God is. Right. And, 
we miss it because we're not in the moment. I have that happen to me all the time. Oh, yeah, we all do. I, I have planned out what I think should happen. I'm looking for indications that I'm on the right track instead of looking of what is happening and how I could participate in it. Yeah. I, just, I just think about the situation we're in right now where we're sure. unable to meet as a church and pretty much the model of church that we've all trained in and accustomed to has been thrown out the window. And here we are in this moment. And, and, and honestly, it took us a few, few days, few weeks to actually ask that question. Okay, where's God working here? Right. And, and now I'm starting to, I was just listening to a podcast that you gave me to listen <laughs> to that, that, that asked that question. It says, is God really trying to do something really amazing in his church through this? And if so, how can we get involved in it? Yeah. And I'm I'm very excited about some of the answers that may be coming out of that. So, well, and that for me, and this whole, I'll just say trying to stay on the point of mindfulness because that yeah. really attracts me. I've had that discussion <laughs> so many times today of I don't want to miss what God's up to by trying to pull back to what I'm familiar with, yeah. what I'm comfortable with, sure. what I think should be. Mm-hmm. But I'll just go back to that moment on Monday for me. I don't think of myself as an anxious, nervous people person, and I don't think most people around me think, oh, Ed's constantly worried about what people think or those kind of things. But in that moment, as I'm trying to do my thing, and I thought I was really feeling okay, the sense of calm mm-hmm. that came, and I don't mean in my spirit only, just my whole body, yeah. there was almost this sense of okayness which is a bad word the sense of the shalom yeah there was a shalom shalom. this perfect peace that i just go even in that moment everything's all right man listen listen to the birds have at it today and Mm -hmm. listen look at how beautiful the sky is today and look how the trees are doing and everything's going exactly the way god wants it why would i not think other things in this world god has a plan to get where he wants and he all I need to do is figure out how to. What's my part in that? What's my little part to play in that? Yeah. Well, and when you talk about God's God's part of the plan, I think that's the the central part of it is the reason we don't see, um, you know that that it's a tiny little statement I made towards the end, which once again does not come from me. It's a Dallas Willard quote, but when you say the kingdom of God is the safest place, that God has made mm. this place the safest place for me to be. The reason that even when you say it. I say it, and I in my own head is going, Mm-mm, something not about really. that's not right. <laughs> something about that's, mm, is because we don't perceive it that way. And the way Dallas would say it is, is because we're not doing the other part of that verse, which is Matthew 6, is seeking the kingdom yeah. first. And he talks, you see that all over the Bible where God keeps saying, seek after me, seek after me. And the part of that is the thing you talked about of Jesus asking, do you want to get well, is that God so respects our personhood and our free will, he does not force good things on us. Mm-hmm. There are good things that we, it's why I've talked to other people where they talk about prayer and they're like, so if I don't ask God for patience or something like that, God's not going to give me patience. Doesn't If God wants me to have it, why wouldn't he just give it to me? And it's that same kind of thought of the reason we pray isn't to get God to do something God doesn't want to do. It's for God to go, oh, you do want this thing that I've been wanting to do. When mm-hmm. I pray for people in my life who are not connected to God, it's not that God doesn't care about those people. And suddenly when I've said it, <laughs> that God's like, well, now I can move. It's that God's understanding now, okay, we're going to cooperate on this thing. And there's a level that he's bringing it. And so when you talk about the kingdom uh, Jesus says, hey, come seek after me and seek after my kingdom that when I do, and that becomes God's plan becomes my top priority, then there is a safety in that. And it really is like being a child again that, you know, if I have a plan to go to 
Disney World when COVID is all done <laughs> with. And I'm taking my daughters. And I haven't told them where we're going. Lots of parents love to do, you know, we're going to do a big surprise trip mm-hmm. to Disney World. And I've got this whole great surprise. And this is the thing. You get in the car and all your kids are going, where are we going? Where are we going? Where are we going? Mm-hmm. And then they see something down the road. Dad, let's stop there. Dad, let's stop there. And I keep saying, no, this is my plan. I need you to just get on board. My plan is better Way than your better, plan. <laughs> and your plan's not a bad plan. Yeah. Stopping over at the world's largest pie and wherever <laughs> is not the is not the worst plan. Sounds like a good plan. Yes. It is a good plan. <laughs> but if you understood, if you could see and say, I just trust that my dad is taking me somewhere that's good mm. and it is for my good, yep. then eventually I go wherever I end up, even if it means I miss out on something I really thought I wanted, mm. it still is good for me. And there is a difference between hurt and harm in that, that, that being in the safest place does not mean that things don't happen to me that are bad, right? Mm-hmm. Jesus even says, there's going to be enough trouble tomorrow to work. Yeah, You've got so. enough today for you to focus on. Yeah. But it's that it's not going to harm me. And by harm me, it means it's not going to take away from my ultimate good. Mm-hmm. That my ultimate good is secure in God and his kingdom. And, you know, Jesus says that some, some of that even just feels very mystical and it doesn't. But Jesus is saying this is a practical reality of life, that if you can begin to see that, and mindfulness brings us, I, I believe, in my experience, it brings me into that moment. Yeah. So you brought us something today. Sure, yeah. I thought this might lines. be fun. So one of the books uh, I've been reading about this, Holy Noticing, uh, they provide some additional material. Oh, is this a test? Oh, yeah, we got a test. He's handing here. out papers, guys. So oh, the, the idea behind this is... Um, one of the things that mindfulness does is, and this is a very, uh, he's a pastor, Charles Stone is his name, and he's pastor and author, and so he's very clever in the way he does stuff, but you know, and you probably heard things like this, mindfulness takes me back to being a human being and not just a human doing, mm. that most of us exist in a doing mode, mm. not a being mode, and mindfulness allows me to get back into, I'm just existing in this moment with God, and so he gives this quote, he gives this quiz, really it's a self-assessment for you to take on yourself, um, and, and it, it's this kind of scale between am I in a doing mode or am I in a being mode? And so I wanted, I thought these, these prompts were a good idea, but I thought maybe just briefly, because we tend to go on and on, yes. but uh, kind of talk about how this works for us. So the first scale is uh, are, are you in an automatic pilot mode or a con- conscious choice mode? And then automatic pilot is your doing mode, and this is what it is. It's when you automatically react to the moment with your old habits. So mm. you're in a moment, and something happens. And one thing he mentioned in the book, which I think is great, is actually from a um, – it's an anonymous Holocaust survivor um, that said that real freedom exists between the moment of a stimulus and our reaction. And so when something happens – the real freedom is in the moment from the thing happens and then I get to choose my reaction. Mm, that yeah. I don't that that's where real freedom exists. So most often it's I have these old habits that when someone cuts me off in traffic, I've got a reaction that mm-hmm, I do. Right, am yeah. I am I in that mode or am I being present in the moment and thus having a greater choice over our responses? And so obviously it's a scale, it happens all the time. But I would put most often in my life. Uh, I'm in automatic pilot mode. Um, and I think, honestly, because it's the mode I'm in right now, young kids and parenting, yeah. so often it's after the moment you look back and you go, I knew that wasn't the right thing. That's yeah, right. Of course. I knew yeah. they were going to say that. I knew mm-hmm. when I went in, because this was you know, a, a disciplinary situation, I knew I went in. I knew they were going to react this way. And it's just 
the words start coming out your mouth before yeah. you even notice you're doing them. I was going to say for me, the when I when I know that I'm more on the automatic pilot side is the level of anger that, sure. that I can <laughs> see in my life because that usually is the predominating thing that comes out of me when I'm on automatic. Uh, my counselor put it to me this way. He said, you got to do everything with, he called it the 2-1 method. Mm-hmm. He said, you have two thoughts before you take one action. Mm. He said, something happens to you. He said, think about, he said, put two thoughts in your mind before you take the one action, whatever it is that you're going to do, mm-hmm. and you're probably going to come out with a better action. And I've tried to do that uh, most 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 of the time. <laughs> well, I can see the benefit of that is yeah. giving you a conscious choice where yeah. when you only have one thought, it just feels like the only thing that's possible yeah. to do. That, who wouldn't do it that way? That's right. Sure. But when you get that second thought in there, now there's an alternative. Right. Somebody else might do something different. Why don't you try that? Or this, but but again, you get to decide. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a freedom. conscious choice in that yep. moment. Cool. So uh, the second one is analyzing, which is on the doing mode, and sensing, like my senses. And what he gets here, and this is honestly a little counterintuitive to me when I, I first read it, which is being in my head, so analyzing things, versus being in touch with our God-given senses, which help us to attend to those around us in an open and positive way. And mm. what he's ultimately getting to is, and I think this happens, often I live in my world up here. I'm not in touch with. Yeah. So Jason is talking in the podcast, and my first thought is, now what do I want to say? Yeah. And, and mm, what do I really think about what he just said? And I, what do- don't you think that's true? And, and, I mean, you've read the book. I haven't. Is he also meaning, because I, I, I know that's true of me, that I live here a lot. Yeah. Uh, but I think even people that would say I'm a feelings-oriented sure. person, yes. mm-hmm. they don't realize it, that that's also here. It's not somewhere else that yeah. they're sensing something. Yes. It is an automatic reaction. takes them here. They're analyzing it through the emotions. That's instead. right. Yeah, so. Mm-hmm. That's right. Well, and, and we'll get to this in a minute when we get to it, but he really makes the point that the an, the analyzing things is actually the problem that, and I'll mention this in a second, but he talks about you need to stop thinking of your thoughts as solid, meaning mm, just because it popped in my head, that's a good idea, and seeing mm. them as mental events that just happened. Mm. I felt something, or I thought something. That doesn't mean there's any truth to it. Right. Sure. I just thought it, I felt it. And the sensation part that he gets to is that I'm with this person, and I can sense Jason, and instead of getting into this critical, judging, analyzing mode, I need to be with Jason, mm. and I need to experience that. So you put yourself on a scale. The next one is striving, which is doing mode, to accepting. And what he said is there's a, there's a part where I try to get out of the current moment versus appreciating, appreciating the moment for what it is. Mm-hmm. This is the one where I think I fail the most, which yeah. is there is some future moment that I wish I could be living in. And often it's, there's an, you know, so we've been talking about all the things we're trying to, to think about and change as a church and all that kind of stuff. I often want to just get to that end point or get to the start point of it because often you're in the planning stage. But instead of just accepting this is where I'm at right now, and yeah. there may no, be no forward momentum in any of this, mm-hmm. but this moment is good. It's blessed by God because I'm in the moment with him. So that's, I think that's really the and point. And you really need to do that when you find yourself in a, in a in a negative moment when something sure. something bad happens to you. I've heard the phrase practicing radical acceptance. Mm-hmm. When something yeah. happens, you just you as as fast as you can get to that place where you go, this is what I have. This is where I'm at. Whatever it is, and I'm going to accept and then move from there and respond to that, you're all, you're better off. So, right. so go ahead. And then the next part is 
this part I've already mentioned. Your thoughts are solid and real. That's a doing mode. And thoughts are mental events. And the reason that I think one's a doing and one's a not is those of us who are very reactionary kind of people, me sitting back and, and thinking about, okay, this thought popped in my head. It doesn't mean anything. If, if my main goal in life is to take action on things, then my thoughts must be solid. <laughs> because the first uh, thought I think, then that's the action I must take because I thought that thought. And it gets me back to that automatic pilot mode of, well, of course I think this This is the only logical conclusion to do and not having almost what you said, the two-one yeah. method where I had the thought. Now I need to just briefly, it doesn't mean I sit and analyze it like we're talking about of living in my head, but I just but have I the second thought of going, wait, is that real? When she said that? Is that what is that really? It's thinking about your thoughts, which right. is the one thing that human beings that makes us unique. We're the only creature that can think about our own thoughts, right? And that's what it's talking about. And I think also to your point you made earlier, when we say thoughts, uh, you know, our feelings aren't necessarily thoughts in the way we think, but our perception of our feelings are the thoughts. And so sometimes I feel something, and I, I remember really, I don't remember if it was you, if it was mom, because I was often doing things on stage, and this has stuck with me forever, when I would feel nervous energy and get what you might call stage fright, one of you said, don't think of it as being nervous, think of it as being excited. And I remember being a young kid thinking that, and literally I have never had stage fright since because mm. I always go in my head, oh, the reason I have these butterflies and this nervous, I'm actually just excited about doing it, so this is a great thing that I get to <laughs> be a part of. And it is that my perception of the thing my body is doing is actually what my, what we would call our emotions. Right. There is a feeling, yep. a right. biological feeling I'm feeling. Yep. The emotion part is the thought. Right. Yep. And so understanding this is just a mental event that is happening. It doesn't actually mean that what I'm feeling is necessarily mm. real. Okay. So then the next one is avoidance versus approach. And this one I think is huge. This has been one of my problems my whole life is trying to avoid certain emotions and thoughts. And that's your avoidance uh, problem normally what we would consider negative emotions versus openly approaching them while minimizing commentary and judgment about them <laughs> so the approach part is i felt something i feel fear or i feel anger mm -hmm. or i feel sadness some of us think of that as a negative emotion and instead of going i shouldn't be angry right now mm -hmm. i shouldn't be angry a good a good person i have one of my daughters often says you know a good, good person I, 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 you know it's not good to be mad mm -hmm. and understanding no it's okay to yeah, be mad it is and approaching that and saying, why am I mad? Yeah. What, why am I mad? Why am I scared? Why am I sad? And there's no judgment to it. Mm -hmm. You know, all of that exists in the same thing. Um, and then the next one is mental time travel, which is what we talked yeah, about on we Sunday. Yeah, about that. That's a doing mode versus remaining in the present moment. So yep. not living in a past guilt, mm -hmm. not living in the, in the future. And then finding, finally, and this one's been really hard for me. This is where I'm at right now depleting activities versus nourishing activities that there are the doing mode is i want to do things where i can accomplish but all of us know there's a level that that nourishes me but there's also a level that that just depletes me right that i am i am doing and i'm trying to please people or i'm trying to get things done or i'm just that and i come home and i'm exhausted mm -hmm. so there is a i come home and i'm tired and that was a good day of work and then there's other days i come home <laughs> and i'm like oh, i don't want to do that again yep but uh, as opposed to nourishing activities that may not accomplish anything mm -hmm. And allow me to live in this present moment, and so I think you should put a copy of this up where people can see it. So yeah, yeah. I don't put a link in the description. In the description, that sure. Can we, do that? That. we can do that. We will we do that. Do we that. will put a link in the description where all the other stuff is, where you can send questions. You can subscribe. It'll be right there on the description. So I think it's great. Put a link to that document, and you can take a look at it. So and I it'll say, "Download this before you listen to the episode." 
Yes. <laughs> and then they won't know to do that. <laughs> they won't know. Yeah, they they won't read it. Yeah. But that's okay. You can get this later. That light is Your strobing. light is flickering. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, like I'm to fix you. that while you go on to the next one. That part. light okay. is strobing. It's like bothering me. So. Yeah. All right. I'm going to. Now I'm all, now I'm distracted. Okay, so uh, last thing, and uh, this is this is the fun part. So it used to be called the top five. Now, now it's called something. It's called top whatever we want to do. It's called everybody gets a shot to do something. Yeah, yeah. free for all. Well, we're being in the moment with Jason Everybody's right here. I ain't worried. This is a safe place <laughs> for me to be. I hope it's a safe place for me to be. Yeah, it will be. It's fine. No, I was. Uh, so, Ed, you inspired me last week. Uh, if you didn't uh, watch uh, the podcast, listen, podcast, whatever you do. If you didn't if you didn't tune in, Ed uh, quizzed us on, like, just questions, random yes. questions. Or random questions. Yeah, which I, I enjoyed. Um, so I started, you know, thinking, and he was asking my opinion on some stuff. And, and there's been something that I've had a strong opinion on ever since this uh, oh. virus oh. thing has happened. And uh, it has been my experience uh, with uh, all the ways the, the restaurants are changing. All right. And uh, if if you haven't, I'm, I'm doing lots of takeout these days. Okay. I am too. And I'm sure you guys are oh, as yeah, well. And right. my wife, we have, we have found ourselves sitting down having lots of conversations about how well the uh, restaurant industry is doing at meeting our needs <laughs> with uh, right. the takeout that we have had. So I'm wondering what has been your your best experience because everybody's had to change and everybody's sure. had to do it a different what's way what's the best what what what's the best experience you've had with with that whole world these days because i've had a couple and i've been really impressed i'm mean, like man they're better now than they were before interesting i have had none that fit that category really i have not had one experience that didn't make me think if these people don't get opened up, they're going out of business. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's interesting. All right, so tell me some of yours because I had a couple that I thought of uh, that. Was, so mine, mine is uh, I have a I have a large family. We have six people in our house, and so a lot of these places now are doing family meal. Yes, which has been wonderful. Mm-hmm. So like um, you know Zaxby's recently has yep. like this chicken finger meal and. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oh, Charlie's has about like seven that are different. You can get a pasta bowl. You can get a chicken salad. You can get, uh, you know, I've got four girls under the age of eight. So they all, or under age of nine, I should say. Mm -hmm. And they all, um, all love chicken fingers. So we Mm -hmm. often get lots of chicken finger stuff. Popeye's been running a lot of specials. Yes, and, uh, sir. All those, all those places. So, and then uh, like Moe's now has what uh, we all had the Willie's, uh, Willie's Mexicana Grill, okay, taco box. For yeah, a oh, staff the staff did. We did. We did. That's right. And Moe's now has a taco box, one. which is nice. Hmm. So all those, all those, I would say has been. I'm I told guessing Chipotle does too. Then. I'm sure. Yeah, I don't know. That I've ever been to Chipotle. So I will say the, the couple that I've had that have been the best. One you mentioned was. Uh, we had staff lunch here, and I was mm-hmm. in charge of taking care of that. And uh, I I used the Popeyes app and had them deliver it. That was the most seamless, easiest. Well, and it was good chicken. Yeah, there is no great. doubt. It was really good. It was on time. Everything was like just perfect. I didn't have to wait in line for yep. anything. That's the best delivery uh, situation I've had so far. But uh, the other night we were going to um, I was we were going to pick up pizza at Domino's and. Um, and the reason we don't have it delivered is because my, my daughter's like begging me to go drive somewhere. She's like, <laughs> can I drive? Can I drive? She just wants to get out of the house. Yeah, sure. Like, I get sure. That. Go get some pizza. So I ordered it up on the app. And, uh, and as she's pulling in, uh, you know, you check in on the app and you say, I'm here. And literally, she said she pulls into the parking lot. A person walks out the door and then like calls my name because it's under my name. They go, are you Jason? And she goes, yeah, I'm here for Jason. And they just like hand her the pizza. And she 
just pulls out of the drive. And it was like, even, it was like drive through on steroids. Wow. She said she just pulled in, got it, and she was out of there. I was like, well, now, those so cool. kind of things, I, you know, I, I don't get a lot of the family meals because it's just me and Becky, so there's not any of that for us to get. But when we have grandchildren at our house, we often are going, they, their parents don't buy them Happy Meals. Ah. So we're going to buy Happy Meals for uh, grandkids. And the McDonald's near our house, I will say, has always been on top of it. I know people are down on McDonald's, mm-hmm. but the McDonald's near me, I'll sit in my chair at home, order it on the thing. They say, check in when you get to the restaurant. Mm-hmm. I check in, go through the drive-thru, give them my number, and when I pull up, they're handing it to me. Mm-hmm. That's cool. It, they, that one has been really mm-hmm. on top of it. I haven't yeah. been to all McDonald's. That's I know right. Everybody's That's not right. the same. Mm-hmm. That one has been yep. on top of it. Yeah. I've just noticed that some of them have figured out this this customer service thing sure. in a really cool Like You mentioned Zaxby's the other night. We, we were driving through to pick up, and they got a section where you park, mm-hmm. and we parked our car, and there's a phone number. And you call the phone number, and there's and they say, what parking space are you in? And you tell them because they're all numbered. And they just, as soon as I called them, they're walking it out yeah. to me. And it's just, bam, it's right there. And, and then what was even better was there's a big, long line wrapped around the restaurant at the uh, drive through window. And I got to bypass all of that. Yeah. Ah. We, did that we did that, too. Yeah. That so was that was even better. So, anyway, I've, I, I guess it's showing – I'm eating way too much takeout. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have a that's, lot of opinions about the takeout. That's not a. That's that is a problem for me right uh, now. Keeping so. businesses going, that's important. Someone's yeah. got to. Someone's got to keep ordering Zaxby's. I, I have. To, I'll put this on the podcast just to uh, keep up a uh, Waffle House. Uh, I love Waffle House. Everybody know knows do. I love Waffle know House, do. and so uh, I have still gone to Waffle House even when they wouldn't let me go in and eat, and it's always just been. Great curbside thing, yeah, and I'm my sure. favorite waitress there, which I won't use her name, but uh, I just love her. She told me how much she loves the being at the curbside, and when I asked her why, she said it's because it's the first time since 2004 I've been able to give people food while smoking a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why you go to Waffle House. <laughs> you go to Waffle House. I told her it makes perfect sense. It I does. don't blame her. Awesome. <laughs> there awesome. you go. Well, hopefully soon we'll be actually be able to sit in a restaurant real soon. Yeah, we'll that'd be wonderful. They're, they're I sat in Waffle House last week. Well, okay, so go. they're starting to open. Oh up. yeah, Waffle House. Okay. Yep. I know there's a lot of opinion about that, but you know, uh, we're we're getting Waffle there. House. We're yeah. getting there. We're exactly. gonna open up some stuff, and it's actually gonna happen. So okay, all right. Well, that's all I got on the list today. So uh, you guys got any parting words? Bye. That's yeah. it. <laughs> that's a good parting word. Yeah, man. See you all. Sign See you guys. Off. See you later.